1: Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See t-mobile.com.
2: Broadcasting live from the Hyundai Studio. Presented to you by your local Hyundai dealers. This is where Chicago goes to talk Bears. Sports Radio 670 The Score. Chicago's home for Bears fans. WSCR and HD Chicago. WBMX HD2 Chicago. <laughs> Always live on the free Odyssey app. The score. Score. On the free Odyssey app presented by Bet Rivers Sportsbook.
3: Good Saturday morning, Chicago. Welcome back inside the clubhouse right here on 670 The Score and your Odyssey app broadcasting live from the Score Hyundai studios until 11 o'clock as we do each and every Saturday morning. I am David Haw along with Bruce Levine talking about a hot stove. The Cubs have set it simmer, maybe, and the White Sox, well, have yet to really plug in. Good morning, Bruce. How are you?
4: Good morning, David. Yeah, a uh, interesting winter meetings in San Diego for both the Cubs and the White Sox. White Sox maybe laying the groundwork for some big deals down the road. The Cubs uh, coming away with uh, Bellinger and uh, Teon. So, with with that in mind, David, uh, where would you like to begin today? Well,
3: we've got a lot of choices because it has been a busy week, a crazy week in Major League Baseball, where over 2.6 billion dollars in contracts. Uh, value that those were signed throughout the, the league, but we want to keep things local here. We could go with Pat Hughes getting into the hall of fame. That was great. We're going to spend some time on that today and hear from Bob Costas, hear from crane Kenny and in interviews on the score this week, because that was a special moment for everybody at the radio station and in Chicago, Bruce, the white Sox, the Cubs, we could go a lot of different directions. We could go down to St. Louis if we wish, but let's start with the Cubs. Let's start with a team that did actually sign a couple players Want to get your thoughts. Cody Bellinger, one year, $17.5 million, a it deal. Jameson Tyone, four years, $68 million. He he plugs into the rotation. What did you think of those moves, and, and what do you think about what's next?
4: Well, you know, I remember back in the day when uh, Andy McPhail took over the team uh, back in 1994, uh, and uh, Tribune brought him in to run the team, and they asked him what he expected to do. And he said, "Well, I want to do I want to do something that makes sense for the long run here. So uh, we might be initially slow, steady, and unspectacular." That was his quote. Um, I think this is slow. I think it's steady. uh, Coming off of last year, you know, with the uh, the addition of uh, of Simeon and Suzuki, Simeon, uh, you know, uh, Strowman and Suzuki, Uh, I, I would say that this continues at this pace to show that the the rebuild is getting much closer for the Chicago Cubs. Not quite there yet.
3: I understand where you're coming from. Um, I think this is the offseason where slow and steady and unspectacular, while it's logical, that wasn't what I expected. I, I don't know if that was what we were promised either or implied even. When you talk about intelligent spending and when you talk about um, shortstop markets and you talk about catcher markets, which Jed Hoyer and Carter Hawkins have openly done, I think that your sights are set on something that is very spectacular. And if you sign a, a shortstop that is one of the four on the market and there's only two left. That would qualify as the opposite of unspectacular in my book. So that's what I want, Bruce. And I think that's what people have come to expect. But let's ask what people really think is going to happen. 312, 644, 67, 67. Let us know. What do you think about the Cubs moves? What do you think about the White Sox inactivity? What do you think overall? What did your team accomplish this week or fail to accomplish? You know what I'm saying, Bruce? I just expected more. Or I think that we're evaluating a movie, reviewing it right in the middle of the movie,
4: maybe. Does the Swanson move, if it's Swanson over Correa, does that move the needle for you, David Haw? Does that move the needle for the Chicago Cubs? Do they become that contender in the National League Central that can jump over Milwaukee, who doesn't appear to be doing a heck of a lot to stay competitive right now, and jump into the mix with the St. Louis Cardinals, who may not be done yet and may be indeed involved in the same mix that they're in, and that is maybe going after Swanson, probably not Correa, but maybe Swanson as their shortstop after adding Wilson Contreras. Uh, that, that is how I look. Uh, I try to look at the Chicago Cubs. Are they ready to take a step up from third in the division to competing with St. Louis for the division title uh, next year. And then, well, let, right, let right now the, we're sitting. Yeah. yeah. Go it, ahead, it,
3: it, If we're midway through the film and, and we want to wait to the end to review it, if you add Dansby Swanson, then all of a sudden you, the plot thickens and you're set up for a very happy ending and to the winter and to the offseason because, Bruce, I believe that Dansby Swanson, while not as dynamic as my number one priority, Carlos Correa, I think Dansby Swanson allows you would allow you to lean into your priorities, and that is to become a more sound team defensively. Cody Bellinger, Gold Glover in center fielder in center field. Ian Happ, Gold Glo- Glove left fielder. Then you get Swanson and Horner up the middle. Those two guys are both capable, better than average fielders in that those positions. Then behind the plate, then that's what I mean. If you get Swanson, the implication would be you're going to address the need behind the plate with a guy like maybe Christian Vazquez, maybe Sean Murphy. I don't know, but I like what I see because you have drawn me in, Jed Hoyer. You've gotten me to believe if you sign Dansby
4: Swanson, you're serious about contending or competing in 2023. David, uh, I'll be direct. Who is your number three and number four hitter on a team that's going to contend for the uh, National League Central?
3: That's a really good question. Right now, I mean, let's
4: say you sign, let's say you sign Swanson. Is he truly a three or four hitter in your lineup? Are you going to no. spend, are you going to spend uh, two hundred million dollars and maybe nine years investing in a guy that's not, that's a number five or a number six hitter in your lineup, or a number two hitter in your lineup? Is that, is that uh, money well spent? Well, that's a good question, Bruce. I, I think sometimes
3: you pay for certain certain strengths, and maybe you're going to obviously overpay in free agency. Dansby Swanson might not be a $185 million uh, player in the eyes of many baseball people, and, and maybe the analytics will make that seem like a foolish investment. Sometimes the, the, you're, you're pressed by need, and that dictates what you're going to spend Who does bat third in this Cubs lineup that we're putting together on the fly here on a Saturday morning? I don't know who that is right now because it's incomplete, but Dansby Swanson, to answer the question directly, no, I would not want to see him bat third or fourth, but I do think you're a Cubs organization in position to have to maybe consider overpaying for a, a premium play.
4: Yeah. I mean, look, Bellinger might be that addition. He might be able to bat one through five. If he comes back, and he peeks out, you know, there are these are big ifs. You can bat him any, in any of those positions. You're going to be a stronger team. Uh, he might be your three. He might be your four. But as it stands right now, okay, you cannot put the Chicago Cubs close to the St. Louis Cardinals. They're just not there yet, okay? Not yet. I'm, I agree with
3: yeah. that. We don't know where is going. The Giants are talking to him. The Yankees may get involved. We don't know what Swanson is going to do. By the way, he has another long-term commitment that has prioritized his time today. The word <laughs> is he's getting married. <laughs> but Mallory Pugh, the uh, fine player for the Chicago Red Stars, uh, is his fiancée, soon-to-be wife, so we wish them all the best. And and maybe it will be in Chicago, maybe it won't. But, Bruce, the point is that this may take a little bit more time than people want it to take. Meanwhile, comma down in St. Louis – Wilson Contreras signed with the Cardinals. What in your mind did that do to the Cardinals as a front runner in the division, maybe in the uh, competing for a nationally pennant and just secondarily, what did it do to you? And what was your reaction just because of the Cub Cardinal rivalry?
4: Well, St. Louis has gotten stronger offensively. Okay. Uh, I mean that they had a good offensive team, not a, not a great one. You know, you have first and third, you have uh, all-stars, you, you have, future Hall of Famers playing first and third, arguably, with uh, you know, with Goldschmidt and Arenado. Uh, as far as the rest of the team goes, it's one of, it's a great defensive team. It's a great base running team. It's a good enough pitching team, not a great starting staff of pitchers, good bullpen. Uh, they're, not, they're not necessarily a 100-win team, but they, they are certainly the class of the National League Central. And And if you're the Cubs and you're in a rebuild, David, that's that's where you have to go. You can't, you can't just say we're a playoff team, contending team, even though you have expanded playoffs. You have to say, where are we at in our own division? And are, are we good enough to play with the Cardinals? That, that's how I think you have to look at it. It will remain
3: to me one of baseball's greatest mysteries why the Cubs could not find a way to love Wilson Contreras. I think that it was personal. I don't know that you can defend it professionally. Uh, they are, and they have, and they will. I, I know, texters, I know from ranting about this all week long on the Moline Haw Show that there is a difference in the ERA for pitchers who threw to Jan Gomes and pitchers that threw to Wilson Contreras. I accept that. I do think that Wilson Contreras is a championship-caliber catcher. I think they won a championship with him as their catcher. So I understand all that. Here we go, though. The Cardinals that's what makes it even harder to take. You knew this was coming. This is a T, you're gonna see him for the next five years make you regret this decision. And this is what Wilson Contreras had to say when introduced on Friday in St. Louis about a meeting he had that's, that made the decision easier for him. We had a great meeting. I felt the connection right away with, with uh, Marmo and, and Mo. And I made the best decision. I did, I did make the best decision. And. Um, I know that I came here to succeed Yaria Molina, the greatest catch of the last two decades. And for me it's an honor to be wearing um, this uniform and be behind the plate. Bruce, seemed personal. What did you think? What do you expect?
4: So the last day of the season, uh, Wilson and I said goodbye and he knew, and I knew he wasn't coming back. And I said, what was realistically the, the last time they they offered you money and he said well the last contract they offered was in 2018 and it was for uh, was uh, for 35 million dollars okay it was for um, five years okay uh, so at that time he said uh, you know we've negotiated this year and last year but there's never been any money mentioned by the Cubs as to what their offer would be so he pretty much knew that, realistically, he was moving on. Why this happened, David? You know, we've been over it ad nauseum. I think a lot of people have been over it. They just didn't think he was their catcher for the future. They didn't think he was the guy to put the fingers down and call the game for him. We know he's a a, a good hitter. We know he has tremendous energy. We know he's a outstanding teammate when it comes to uh, bringing it every day. But to David Ross. And to uh, the front office of the Cubs, he was not the guy to put the fingers down as they move forward in this next rebuild. And and you have to include Ross, because not every manager is totally involved in organizations and where they're going direction-wise, but I can tell you 100% that David Ross, being the catcher that he was during his career, being the important person that he is in this organization, beyond just being the manager, had... uh, Tremendous say-so in whether Wilson Contreras was going to come back or not. I knew it. I knew it. It was Rossi. Rossi all along. You're never going to love the guy that took uh, a patch away from you. Don't don't blame it on David Ross, okay? okay? Don't blame it on David Ross because the the (laughs) idea that he wasn't the catcher that they wanted for the future doesn't make Wilson Contreras a bad player, a bad guy, a guy that didn't do a good job with the Cubs. He did all those things, and they appreciated it. It was just making a decision for the future. They felt he wasn't an everyday guy. And I, I will I will guarantee you that they're right in one area. Wilson is never going to be catching 120 games again. Okay, So he's going to be a 100-game catcher tops. He's going to DH. He's going to play the, uh, first base once in a while if Goldschmidt takes a day off. He's going to play the outfield once in a while if he has to. Uh, they'll, they'll find a way to get... 140 games, and uh, 550 at-bats out of Wilson Contreras. But it won't all be behind the plate. Nobody should fool themselves to think that Wilson Contreras is going to be catching 120 games.
3: Score listener line is powered by BetQL. Bet smarter, beat the books. Download the BetQL app today or visit BetQL.com. That's where we find McGee is in Park Forest. Good morning, McGee. Welcome inside the clubhouse.
2: Uh, Good morning. It's Mickey.
3: I'm sorry, Mickey. How are you? Oh, I'm
2: fine. Uh, guys, I, I pretty much think the same thing. I blame David Ross because there's no reason. If the t- Cardinals thought he was good enough to be their catcher, the Cubs could have used him the same way, some first base, some outfield, some DH. But uh, watch the guy that they get is going to be less of a catcher. He's going to hit 220. They're going to say, oh, this guy is such and such a thing. But he will not be the catcher that Wilson is. I'm harder is no Theo. I'm still upset with him for letting Darvish go for nothing. So he has a lot to prove to me. And if they don't get uh, one of those shortstops, I'm even going to be more upset with uh, Haria.
3: I just- Thank you, Mickey. Appreciate the phone call. A uh, lot to say there, Bruce. Let's let's go to another Cub fan. Steve is in Peoria. He has thoughts on Carlos Correa versus Dansby Swanson and that possibility. Good yeah, morning, good Steve. morning, uh, inside the Bruce. clubhouse.
5: Well, thanks, guys. Uh, my question is this. With the new rulings of no shift, what? Uh, how does that affect who they should be going for? I, I, I've heard, I guess, Correa is supposed to have a better range, but how close is Swanson uh, in range to Correa?
4: Thanks, Steve. Well, what, Appreciate the phone call. Bruce, Swanson Swanson's a, an excellent range guy, but so uh... – so was the guy that, that played the position for the Cubs last year. I mean, you, you look at uh, what, what he did and uh, the range that he showed. Obviously, if you're bringing another shortstop, you're going to take Horner and, and move him uh, to second base, and then you're going to have great range up the middle. I think, I think the Cubs are thinking that, that that's a possibility, is what, what, what the caller just said, what Steve said. Is that uh, with no shifting, your defense, you have to have more range than you've had at second base for a long time now. So it's not just bringing another shortstop. It's bringing – it's moving a guy over to second base that has a tremendous amount of range over there. See,
3: I think that's a really interesting and important distinction. My fixation or uh, saying that the Cubs have to get one of the big four shortstops is also influenced by – understanding that Nico Nico Horner is is versatile enough to move to second base, and because of the rules changes and because of all of the realities that, that Steve just pointed out, Dansby Swanson is an excellent fielder. So is Carlos Correa, and he he has a lot of other dynamic things. But I don't know that I would be this convicted to feel this way, Bruce, if I didn't have as much confidence in Nico Horner's ability to do that. We have seen him play there, and we know what he can offer – in the lineup, I think your priority one after addressing the offseason in the winter meetings then becomes locking up guys like Horner and Happ to, to contract extensions because of his value to the team. My interest in these shortstops has nothing to do and should not be interpreted as a lack of confidence in Nico Horner. Quite the opposite. He's my favorite Cub right now.
4: Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, uh, if there was a feel-good story uh, last year for the Cubs – On guys that have been around it. was certainly Horner was the the guy I mean, you you know Hap had a great year and and it was a coming out year for him and Contreras had an outstanding year. It was fun to watch morale grow, but uh, the the team was really most buoyed by the fact that uh, Horner took that step up and proved that he could play shortstop in the major leagues every day and do a really good job of it that said um, with the shift changing Teams have to be more cognizant of how do we defend? How, how does run prevention stay the way it was or close to it without shifting on left-handed hitters? And that's where your second baseman becomes even more important now than it has over the last two or three years. Well, we're just
3: getting started here, and the Cubs are too in this offseason. Crane Kenny on the Mullion Haw show on Friday said, this is just the third inning of the offseason for the Cubs there's still a lot of baseball to be played in that context. And we will hear from Crane Kenny when we come back inside the clubhouse, Chicago sports radio, six, seven the score.
2: We're back with more inside the clubhouse with Bruce Levine and David Haw.
3: I think the Cubs are in a small group of the, of the finalists and
2: the favorites for Swanson. But I think Matt, to your point, it's going to take that eight year range around $200 million Maybe they get them on a really lucrative seven-year deal, but I think that $200 million is about the range that we're talking about for Dansby Swanson. And unless the Cubs can get there, they'll probably land somewhere else.
3: Welcome back inside the clubhouse, Chicago Sports Radio 670. The score, David Hub, Bruce Levine until 11 o'clock. That was John Morosi on the afternoon show Friday talking about the Cubs potential interest in Dansby Swanson, whose price keeps going up because Carlos Correa has yet to sign. And,
1: Is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Trick responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Imports, Chicago, Illinois.
3: Bogart signed for $280 million, Bruce. So the price of poker just increased. What do you think about Swanson and the options now that he has because they are more than probably that he had a couple days ago just because the Giants missed out on Aaron Judge and the Padres swooped in and took Xander Bogart's.
4: He's a nice player, David, but really, nine years. I'm hearing that it's going gonna, it's gonna to go past eight, and it's going to go nine or ten. That's what they're looking for. <clears throat> Who is playing poker in this hand, David? Uh, that's what the Cubs have to also figure out. Are the Giants going to go that direction? If indeed they miss out on Correa, I doubt it, because they're looking for a superstar. Uh, they they missed out on Judge. They're in on Correa. They'll move uh, their shortstop for the last ten years, Crawford over to third base if if they sign Correa. Swanson is not it's it's not that for them. It's a different uh, it's a different subject there. There's a different dynamic with the Giants uh, going after Correa. It's a different dynamic I think for Minnesota going after Correa than it is for Swanson. Swanson might have fewer uh, fewer people to go to. Uh, if, if indeed uh, uh, Correa signs with the Giants I, I just I, I, I don't see a bigger market for Swanson. Tell me where Swanson's going to go Is well, that a fallback I think it's plan a, it, for Minnesota it's, it's, or San Francisco?
3: It's, it's debatable You can talk yourself out of things or you can talk yourself into things. That's the nature of free agency depending on how much money you have to spend and how player. glaring your, need, uh, your needs are and the guy who is in charge of the budget, the guy who knows what the numbers are, not in charge of the budget, that would be Tom Ricketts, but his president of business operations is Crane Kenny, and he was on the Mullion Haw show on Friday. Zach Zabin was sitting in, and so I asked Crane about the approach to this offseason and just where the Cubs are in that pursuit of free agents and fixing their team.
6: Funny, if you look at it over time, you know, for me this is one of the 22nd winter meetings that, that, that I've been a part of you know it used to be you saw a lot of activity in the at the GM meetings and the winter meetings and you kind of went into the holidays with a lot of transactions behind you and your roster not set but but significantly uh changed and that's all changed you know it's funny that you know it used it used to be that you know the winter meetings were full of uh meetings you know where uh and the GM meetings where the GMs were all huddled together and now the GMs are calling each other from the same location <laughs> which you know, this, the advent of the internet and, and sort of technology has allowed the winter meetings to start kind of, you know, 10 days after the world series and, end, you know, sometime in January. So yeah, you know, the vast majority of free agents are still out there. Uh, the big names have, have come off the board, but there's a, a ton of talent still to be added. And then the trade market really opens up uh, in earnest after the, 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 big free agents are gone. So I think you now we have, I don't know, we may be in the third inning of our off season in terms of how the roster will look, uh, you know, come February.
3: A lot of at bats left, Bruce, if you're only in the third inning. A lot of opportunities to make something happen.
4: Look, I like what the Cubs have done. Uh, Adding Bellinger to me was a very underrated, safe move that could uh, pay off big for them this year. Uh, Taon is an outstanding pitcher coming back with a new elbow ligament the last two years and throwing 177 innings last year for the Yankees. I, I love that move. Okay. I like the rotation much better than it was in the past. I think they're getting close to competing in that division. Uh, if, if you believed in the 39 and 31, the last 70 games of 2022, they're moving forward. There's some trepidation in, in counting on that. Okay. That's a uh, continuing uh, on that. Uh, guys like Thompson, and uh, guys like Steele are going to continue to uh, move upward, uh, continue to move where they need to go as far as uh, that, that move to be top pitchers in the National League. Uh, Hendricks coming back from uh, an injury. Stroman staying healthy all year. There's a lot of ifs in there. Uh, all that said, if they're healthy, it looks like a better pitching rotation. They still have some some things to do. And again, Swanson or Correa makes them a better team. Do they make them a contending team this year in the Central? That's what I want to know.
3: Crane said two things that were very interesting in the context of the big picture and also here in Chicago. I think, number one, that the trade market has still yet to get going because we're waiting for free agency to settle. The other thing is that he had said that he said was there were good players still available, Bruce, and it made me think of, okay, there are guys out there, and this is where it pertains to the White Sox as well, who have not really, as I kind of kidded, facetiously starting the show, they haven't really plugged in the hot stove yet because they haven't really done anything except for a lot of talking. And I think we'll get to the Sox in depth a little bit more in the 10 o'clock hour. But a guy like Michael Brantley, for instance, still out there. He's like the perfect White Sox signee, right? A 35-year-old with left-handed pop and a guy you could envision them pursuing. Michael Conforto, still out there. There are other players that are not getting the the the, the, the tick, ticker treatment at the bottom of the screen, but guys that you could envision either the Sox or maybe even the Cubs pursuing in a, in a way that doesn't make as big of a splash as the Swansons and the Correas, but are still out there ready to be signed.
4: Yeah, I, I agree with you, David. There's plenty, and I agree with Crane. There's plenty of time left. Uh, this is uh, December 10th. You know, we don't play, we don't go to spring training for, what, two months now. So from that perspective, uh, what we've seen in the past couple of years are some of the top players in the game signing and being moved later in the year. You know, because of last year in the lockout, everything was done late. Uh, this year, money is being spent, as you said, you know, over $2 billion, almost $3 billion, you know committed out there for players and more will be spent here over the next month or so. I I would say um, impact is so different though with Correa and with, um, um, with Swanson. There is totally, I mean, I agree with that. And, and and people say, Oh, we'll get, we have to get one. I don't believe in that. What is your objective here? Do you have a main objective? If you're going after Correa, You're going to spend $300 million. You expect him to bat third or fourth in your lineup. You expect him to be centerpiece for your rebuild at age 28. He's actually younger uh, than Swanson is, which is amazing because of all that he's accomplished in his career. And yeah, he
3: is, and that's why I want him, Bruce, and that's why I think that sometimes you have to make exceptions to your rule. Your rule makes sense. It's logical. You can discuss it in boardrooms and press boxes and and have a lot of people nodding their heads that, boy, you make a lot of sense. Sometimes I want Tom Ricketts to go crazy. Sometimes I want the Cubs to make us think, what are they doing? That, did they spend what? $325 million? What? And this is why when Crane Kenny was on the phone Friday, I wanted to ask him, okay, We know Carlos Correa, that price tag, because of what is being spent on shortstops, if Bogarts went for 280, it's going to take north of $300 million in terms of an investment to get Carlos Correa. So I asked him about what it would take to get Carlos Correa.
6: Well, I'm not going to help Scott bore us out with too many words about where we'd go or where we wouldn't go. But, um, you know, we're a fortunate club, and I've said this, and people don't always love hearing it, but, you know, our owners have been incredibly Straightforward from the day they bought the club, which was we're not taking a nickel out of this thing. Uh, Everything you earn, uh, Crane, you can dedicate to the baseball operations and to the stadium renovation and other things that you think and Jed thinks are necessary to help us win games. So we have an ownership team that says, listen, if you made a dollar, you can spend it. Um, And that means that uh, the success of the organization on the business side leads directly to the resources Jed has to spend on players. And as I said earlier, he has... A pretty healthy amount of money to spend still. So um, I think some of the, you know, you, you see a, a cycle here if you've been around long enough to right after a CBA gets signed in the first year of labor piece, that owners and, and team executives get pretty aggressive in that first uh, free agent market, knowing you've got four or five years left on a CBA where you won't have to worry about work stoppage. And I think we're seeing that here. Um, and, you know, I don't know who will Quote unquote win the offseason. I think last year the Rangers were considered the winners when they signed Simeon and Seeger. Um, and, you know, I don't know who will be deemed the winner of this free agent class. Uh, but, you know, it, resources are available. Jed will spread them as he sees fit. And uh, we're going to play better baseball next year.
3: Bruce, I want your reaction because all I heard was he has a pretty healthy amount of money to spend here.
4: They did last year as well, David. Uh, it's, it's the idea of. Uh, being intelligent, we've we've heard that term from the Cubs front office uh, for four or five months now. Intelligent spending. Well, when you're when you're given eight, nine, and ten-year contracts, David, there's nothing intelligent about that. Bruce, okay? I disagree with you totally. Bruce, there's,
3: are you going to no, tell me the Philadelphia me, fields are unintelligent? They spent their way to the World Series. They won a pennant because of their intelligent spending. They signed a lot of guys long-term. You look at their roster, they've made a lot of long-term commitments. They just made another one at Trey Turner.
4: That's not dumb. I think they won like 86 or 87 games. David. They were in so the world series. They got hot. They got hot. at. They the got end. hot and they were in the world series. Why? Yeah. Because
3: Bryce Harper had the swing of his life because Bryce Harper was there. He because came somebody, back. Yeah. He had the gumption to say, I am going to defy baseball logic. I'm going to dig in deep and I'm
4: going to sign this guy to a 13 year deal. It's the same guy. Same team that was swept by the Cubs uh, in three games. Oh, in stop September. it. They were in yeah, the world. You, series. Wait a minute, David, When the Phillies went into the playoffs, did you say that's your National League champion?
3: No, but they did. They won it, Bruce.
4: I'm talking about history, not speculation. I'm not not arguing with that. I'm I'm saying, are they the favorite in their division to win? Right now? No. You know why? Because
3: the Mets spent crazy this offseason. They have... A replacement for Jacob Degrom, who went to Texas. Oh, by the way, let's dig deep and get Justin Verlander. Let's
4: let's go get another Cy Young Award winner. I know, I know, it's crazy, and there's no guarantee they're going to win either. Uh, they just didn't...
3: once. I would like
4: they... to debate the sanity
3: of Tom Ricketts to say, "Oh boy, is he is he losing his mind? He just spent three hundred million dollars on a player that's going to put him over the top."
4: Well, they spent one hundred fifty-five million on uh, a pitcher. They, they spent $184 million on an outfielder. Those uh, one, of, one of those deals worked out great. The other one helped you win a World Series. So uh, you're right. Uh, may, maybe my theory is wrong that uh, there are intelligent 10-year deals. I, I have never seen one. Uh, I think if you are uh, ready to win a World Series and ready to contend and win right now, I think a 10-year deal makes sense. I just don't think 10-year deals make sense for the Chicago Cubs right now what, unless what, you're ready to say we by the way we're dropping the other foot and we're going to go out there and we're going to we're going to we're going to sign other free agents, we're going to trade for other people. We're going to win this year and next year. I know that it's not recommended and it's not
3: what you want to do in terms of a a decade long commitment and the financial uh, ramifications of that. I just think sometimes you may you may be backed into a corner because you look around baseball, and that is what you do when you are a big market team, and the Cubs are a big market team, but it's a good debate. It's an ongoing conversation, and we will do it civilly, right? And I guess Sean Sears asking a good questions. Most of the time. Most well, of the well, time it will be Bruce, civil. You, when you're not insulting me, you're actually a very easy, good guy to talk I, I, baseball I never,
4: with. I, I always respect everything you say. You're well thought out. You're one of the great reporters and writers in the history of Chicago. So I have no, no, uh, no ax to grind there. David, Uh, I'm pleased to have you as my partner every single week talking baseball, but 10 year contracts and intelligence, uh, I I think there's, they don't, they don't necessarily go in the same sentence for me ever. Because when you look at Albert Pujols contract with the angels, you look at Miguel Cabrera's contract with Detroit. Uh, th- there were two different things. The Angels never won. They they, they they didn't even go to the playoffs more than once while Pujols was there. Cabrera was uh, a, a difference maker for Detroit. They went to the World Series a few times with Cabrera. Uh, maybe you can say that was more intelligent. Right now, you know, you're watching Cabrera the last uh, four years. You know, hobble along and be a singles hitter. It's not. It's not fun. Uh, did they get the, the, they got to go to a few world series with him. It it worked out on that end, but is that intelligence spending? That's all I, that's all I have to say. They brought up the term intelligence. I'm jumping on it. Okay. I
3: appreciate where you're coming from. It is an ongoing debate and conversation and we will continue to have it. But speaking of people who actually are all time greats, Pat Hughes went into the hall of fame and he had a lot to say. Bob Costas was on this radio station. We want to hear what he had to say what a great person to celebrate and we will do that next inside the clubhouse chicago sports radio 670 the score
2: we're back with more inside the clubhouse with bruce levine and david haw on sports radio 670 the score and 670 thescorecom but the real essence of baseball and the real connection to the audience is the unique day in day out nature of baseball especially on the radio where the announcer isn't just a good broadcaster, he has to be a good companion to his audience. And he's connected to that team and its fortunes, day in, day out, year in, year out. And Pat has that credential.
3: Welcome back inside the clubhouse, Chicago Sports Radio 670 the score. David Hall, Bruce Levine until 11 o'clock. That was the voice of broadcasting legend Bob Costas, who was on the score on Friday afternoon, talking about our good friend, and baseball immortal now the guy who provides the voice that is the soundtrack of so many summers pat hughes who was the winner of the ford frick award this week bruce and informed of the reality that he's going into the baseball hall of fame could not happen to a nicer guy the epitome of class grace and eloquence
4: just um terrific honor for pat hughes David, when I think of Pat Hughes, I think of the tremendous consistency that he brings to the booth 27 years in a row now for the Chicago Cubs. And by that, I mean uh, you don't know if Pat's had a good day, a bad day, uh, whether things are going right with his family, whether his car started right or not, whether he had to take an Uber to work. Pat gives you the same uplifting, well-reported broadcast every single day, no matter what. He is the voice of summer for the Chicago Cub fans. He is the most uh, uh, consistent guy that I know, and to be great at broadcasting, in particular for um, baseball broadcasters, and uh, more directly for radio broadcasters who have to be your eyes and ears uh, for every single pitch. Nobody does it better than Pat. There are people that are as good there are people that have been as good, but I don't think there's anybody that does it better or more consistently than Pat Hughes. And and that is uh, the model of, why, uh, of what you want to go into the Hall of Fame, and that's why Pat's going into the Hall of Fame. Uh, he doesn't have to be spectacular every night. He has to be damn good and entertaining and informative every single day for three to four hours. Uh, David, try it sometime. Uh, it's probably one of the most difficult things to do well in the sports industry.
3: Yes, Pat Hughes, the style matches the substance and the humility is is the thing that stands out as much as any of his qualities, and that's what you heard when he tried to put into his own words, as only he can, what it meant to him when he found out that he was going into the Hall of Fame.
5: It is the best honor that I could have ever hoped to have. It's, it's uh, really a dream come true. It's something that has not yet sunk in, and I, I don't know if it will. I don't know if the Cubs Hall of Fame has sunk in yet. I just uh, feel how fortunate I am to work in a city like Chicago with the fan base we have, uh, to work with Ron Coomer and Zach Zaidman, to work for the Cubs, to work for Crane Kenny and Tom Ricketts and his siblings, to work for Mitch Rosen, and uh, Mitch is the – program director of the score the flagship station of the Cubs radio network. I just feel so lucky and I have a great supportive family. My wife, Trish and my daughters, Janelle and Amber. I'm just really, I just feel so very lucky and fortunate that so many things in my life have turned out as well as they have. It's more than any one person really, frankly deserves.
3: You know, Bruce, Mitch Rosen, uh, Ron Coomer, crane Kenny. They were there when Pat found out and it was captured on video, uh, by the Cubs who put that on their, uh, website and their Twitter feed. And it was just so gratifying to see somebody that humbled by that news.
4: Well, I'm proud of, and I think you are too, of being, uh, on the committee that elects, uh, helps elect the Chicago cub hall of fame, uh, inductees. And, uh, I'm proud of the fact that uh, I was a part of that, uh, and I'm sure you are too, is uh, him going into the Cub Hall of Fame this year. That was the impetus for him getting going here. I know uh, Bob Costas, who you heard uh, you know, in that sound bite about Pat, was uh, very instrumental in letting other broadcasters and people who were involved in the voting session for the Frick Award uh, to, uh, to understand how great Pat is and how consistent and, and how well-deserving he was. There's, there were tremendous other broadcasters skipped over, including sure. Steve Stone of the, uh, the White Sox, who is well-deserving. Tom Hamilton's one of the great broadcasters in the history of the Cleveland Indians, he's going to be in there. Steve is hopefully going to be in there. Um, so this is a tremendous honor. Um, I'm kind of sad only one broadcaster gets in a year. Because uh, th- these people that are getting up there in their late 60s, early 70s, uh, you know, sh- they should be able to smell the roses and enjoy this. So I know one a year is the way they do it. I- I'd like to see more of these people uh, in there and enjoy this uh, in the- later in their career and after they retire. Quick story about Pat Hughes before we break. Everybody overcomes something. It's
3: not as easy as Pat makes it sound. It's a difficult job. But it's particularly difficult when you overcome a health crisis like he did five, uh, eight years ago now. And I wrote about it five years ago in the Chicago Tribune after he approached me. And I told the story on the air on Thursday. And it just bears mentioning in, in brief detail, Bruce, because Pat Hughes underwent three surgeries in a 14-month period at the end of the uh, 2014 season when his throat started feeling different thought it was bronchitis it was dysplasia he had can- precancerous lesions removed he took me into his uh, a doctor's appointment and gave me that kind of access with the photographer we wrote about it and he overcame that and he was proud of that and I think when you hear him sound so smooth and eloquent it's not always as easy as he does make it sound Moral of the story is, is this also. He wanted to tell me his story. He's a very private, humble man, as we know, but he thought maybe somebody could learn from his example. And here a month ago, I heard from Jonathan Brandmeier, the legendary Chicago radio guy, who sent me an email thanking me and getting a hold of Pat because he saw the story when he Googled that he was going through something similar, and he contacted Pat for answers, for help. Pat connected him with the doctor who did the surgery and dealt with him. Johnny B is back and now he's doing his own YouTube. He's doing his own broadcasting. Johnny B is doing what Johnny B does. And it's because in his mind, Pat Hughes was able to share his story and lend his advice and expertise. And that just tells you what kind of a guy Pat Hughes is. And we are all so happy and proud to
4: be affiliated and associated with a guy like that. Well well said, David, and, and well done on your part as well. Uh, on top of all this, Pat Hughes is a wonderful human being and a really good friend, and I'm proud to call Pat Hughes my friend. That is uh, the essential part of this because when, when you see a friend get the accolades that he deserves, and I uh, hopefully will be there when uh, he uh, gives his speech at the Hall of Fame uh, next July, uh, this is going to be a great moment for him, his family, and all of his friends and, and all Cub fans who really love Pat Hughes.
3: From the Hall of Fame, back to the hot stove. What are the White Sox doing, and when will they actually do something? We will talk about that next. It's Inside the Clubhouse, Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score.
1: T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today.